Abraham and Isaac is a really fucked up idea. What would Kant say if he had the dream that Abraham did? How would Kant respond to that? I don't know, but what I was thinking while reading it was that um, God doesn't seem to be following the categorical imperative here. Funny you should mention that. (laughs) So, if he was ever directed by some luminous kind of dreamy kind of thing Mm -hmm. to kill his son, Kant would say, and who requires that I do this? And God would say, God. And then he says, could I see some ID? I'm surprised that he would have done it only after one dream. Well... Um, it doesn't matter for Kant. Says, look, Kant never, never, uh, the God never disobeys the categorical imperative because otherwise he wouldn't be free and rational. Mm -hmm. But he is. So, beyond Satan, God never told anybody to do any such thing. Whereas Kierkegaard, more romantic, this is what happens when philosophy gets romantic. Says, look, you don't worship God; you worship reason. When God tells you to do something, you fucking do it. He's God. Mm. <laughs> well, I feel like that opens a whole other can of worms if God isn't rational. God, well, okay, if that's it, then we're back to uh, <laughs> to some ugly shit. <laughs> right? It's a bad deal then. Right. I mean, there are certain brands of Christianity which take that, but they're fucking crazy. Right? See, that's why I like the Catholic tradition. They have faith and reason. Mm-hmm. Kierkegaard says, no, no, no. You have to choose between faith and reason. What's great about Kierkegaard, about uh, Abraham, is that he knew that this made no fucking sense at all. And that's what was so great about it. Okay, then Because he worships God, not reason. That doesn't sit well with me. I don't blame you. That's yeah. fucking crazy. Yeah. That opens the door. Because the man's like a hundred. He's been waiting his whole life to have a son, and now God goes and says, "Why don't you go and stab him?" Yeah. But he has to go on like a three-day journey first, so he's like alone with his thoughts and shit. Right. Yeah. He didn't have to be. He could have told everybody. Yeah. You know. By the way, I'm going to kill yeah, uh, also, little Isaac when we get to Mount Moriah. Yeah, I don't even know why he had to go to Mount Moriah. Just kill. Because God said so. <laughs> I mean, hold <laughs> it. And besides, that's where the ram was. Could God not send the ram to where his tent is? Yeah, could God not have dispensed with this whole stupid (laughs) event? Like this... What is this supposed to prove? I don't know what what I'm supposed to think about this. Yeah, you see what I'm saying? What your God is doing is saying, look, you're going to have to choose between Athens and Jerusalem. You can't have them both. Yeah, I I just don't know what to make of it. Um, It's an anti-reason. There were, early in the history of Christianity... People who tried to drive a wedge between Athens and Jerusalem said, look, Christianity doesn't have anything to do with being reasonable. What a St. Augustine did in uh, the Confessions is saying, look, reason can take you in that direction, but it can't take you that final step. Yeah, I, I feel like he's probably right. Right. But your God said, no, 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 no. Because <laughs> um, if you say, oh, I think that we're done with reason now, then you're going to have a whole bunch of problems. Well, you are, you are actually. But here God says, well, look, God didn't send you here to have fun, so you have a whole problem because you're not allowed to worship reason. Isn't it better to be a Christian, a real Christian, than to be uh, on his deathbed? Um, a clergyman came to him said, would you like to, re- to receive Holy Communion? 
He said, yes, but not from a parson. What's a parson? That's a reverend uh, minister. So, yeah, he won a Holy Communion, but only with God himself. Right. So here we have the most radical kind of Christian, or weird, anti-reasonable Christian. He's also, this is also the beginning of existentialism. Mm. What Kierkegaard says is that whatever stance you take towards the world, there's no way of justifying it. No way of justifying it because we've gotten rid of reason, or what? No, you could, if you if you if you're going to assume reason, you can show that reason is is wonderful and absolutely necessary. Mm-hmm. But he says, do that without presupposing what you're trying to prove. <laughs> fucked up Kierkegaard it's circular you can tell me that it's reasonable to be reasonable and I will acknowledge that because it's uh, circular it's a deduction it's by definition but apart from the fact that it's reasonable to be reasonable how do you know that reason is the highest value because reason says so again so it turns out ironically this is our Socrates' secret laughter. Reason seems to be unable to justify itself. <laughs> Doesn't that suck? Hate it when it does that. I hate it when it does that. <laughs> yeah. Well, again, oh shucks, I fucked up philosophy again. All right. Seems like somebody does that every fifty years or so. Yeah. 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 <laughs> so now we're asking, why should we be reasonable? And yes, I, I, admittedly, it is reasonable to be reasonable. Yeah. Also, I forgot to ask, when was Kierkegaard alive? Because he kept on making mid nineteenth century. Yeah, references like the, to communism. Right. Uh, Interesting. Eighteen forties and fifties. Right. Okay. He was a one. I mean, an absolute fucking whack job. I mean, crazier than most philosophers, which I think is impressive. Yeah, that, that says something. Yeah. But uh, oh, he wrote and the books he wrote were great. Looks like the concept of dread. He sounds like he's fun at parties. <laughs> yeah, right. The concept of dread. Well, he was actually fun at parties, unfortunately. The concept of dread. What else, what else do we have? We, of course, you read "Greeting Fear and Trembling," mm-hmm. and that's a, an interesting thought. There's a. Um, he wrote his doctoral dissertation on irony. Well, that's not a bad idea. That's yeah. Cool. And uh, it, it wasn't a doctor, it was a master's actually, and uh, it was with special reference to Socratic irony. And uh, the faculty at the University of Copenhagen agreed to give him a master's degree if he promised never to come back again. <laughs> Which you kind of like. That sounds like some shit that they would do with you. Well, you know, <laughs> that's possible. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. Um, yeah, he was an amazing. He wrote all of his books under pseudonyms. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I saw that. Like uh, Johannes the Silent. Yeah. Or Victor Eremita, Victor the Hermit. Or, uh, uh, what is, uh, Hilarious Bookbinder. All right, I mean, those are the, some of the names. But here's what's great about him. And here's where the psychiatrist who's talking to him begins writing, scribbling furiously. Get ready for this. Not only did he write his books under pseudonyms, he also 
very quickly, wrote reviews of his pseudonymous books pseudonymously with a different pseudonym, and he, he panned them. He said, why would anybody write a stupid book like this? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, the complaint, I mean... There's a lot to break down right there. Yeah, right, just... Huh. huh. Yeah. What kind of man does it take for that? Well, to write books under pseudonyms and then criticize them relentlessly under, under different pseudonyms? Mm-hmm. Well, there's maybe some... Yeah, but could, could I maybe think that there's some uh, leakage of identity that he's having some problems maintaining the perimeter of his ego? You know, with different names and different, you know... He's fucking crazy. I like him. I, I find him really enjoyable. He's a, a shrieking nut bar, but hilarious. Yeah. He's the embodiment of Protestantism. Mm-hmm. I usually found him really interesting to read. I liked it. He is. Oh, he's very interesting. By faith alone. Yeah. And he means faith alone, baby. Don't be giving me that this is reasonable to do. That, that Catholic shit isn't flying. He's going to, he wrote a book called Either Or. He said, ultimately, you're going to have to make a decision. Either or. You can't have it both ways. Do you worship God or do you worship reason? Be very careful. <laughs> if you want both, that means you really worship reason. Because you're trying to have it both ways. So when God tells you to kill the child, what do you do? Again, Talk that- back to God or you? There's a lot to unpack there. I know, it's a fucked up book. I mean, like, this is this is a complete... Look, is it within the nature of God to order people to commit mortal sins? I would say no, that God does not want us to commit mortal sin. And yet, who can deny that murdering a child is, particularly your own, is a gross moral evil. It's clearly a sin. I want to understand what the purpose of that passage of scripture is. Like, why is it there? Who wrote it? Because it's absolute faith. I'm willing to give everything up for God. I hold nothing back. Mm. Even my reason. Well, I find it strange that it would be God ordering that. Yeah, you're damn right it's strange, isn't it? (laughs) I feel like the author didn't think that through. They should have had it be like some fucking ruler saying, "Ah, give me your son. See, you don't get the covenant then. Yeah. So this is the beginning of God's covenant with man. Mm-hmm. Why do you stare at me like that? Well, because not. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you get like this the, is the beginning of God's covenant. What? Who the fuck is it? <laughs> you get the crazy eyes when you do that. Yeah. Well, I mean, because that is some crazy shit. Mm-hmm. But of course, it takes a a whack job like Kierkegaard to focus on this. In other words, I've read the whole Bible more than once, so I have an idea of how complicated it is. It's it's more complicated than any human mind. The things you gravitate to are a reflection of your own soul. What you ultimately find in Scripture is yourself. People that have had a lot of suffering often go to the book of Job, because Job had a lot of suffering, so it was tested, but God had to come out okay. Um, People that are very kind often go to the Sermon on the Mount in the Gospels, where Jesus says, blessed are the peacemakers and all the rest of that. And that's a a lovely sentiment. And if you're Kierkegaard, you gravitate to Abraham and Isaac. (laughs) 
I say, this is the thing you needed to tell us about with fear and trembling. Right. So you've been told to kill your son, and now you're actually going to kill that child. Imagine you're a first grade teacher, and Mr. Abraham comes in at lunchtime and said, well, last night God told me to kill little Isaac. I'm taking him out of school. I spent the morning building a large sacrificial altar in the backyard, and God told me to kill him. I'm going to do that. Mm-hmm. Now, since that means that we call the police now and don't let him do that, um, why is that insane and evil now and really great back then? Good question. <laughs> what? And he says it's really great because this just shows you the limitations of reason. You people are all fucking Greeks. There's not a Christian among you. God tells you to do something, you fucking do it. Who are you to judge whether God makes sense, you little worm? I think that I read it completely backwards. I thought that he was criticizing people who were being irrational by believing this. No, no, no. What are you saying? Yeah, is so it's the opposite. The night of faith is beyond reason. He's resigned to doing what God says with the heaviest of hearts. He's not a murderer. Yeah. But God told him to. You don't talk back to the fucking deity. You don't say, are you sure? You little maggot. You think I need help from you, worm? Hmm. This is, again, <laughs> right. There's no right answer to this. This is so fucked up. Yeah, I can think of a lot of issues with that. I mean, there's so many of them. None of them are good. Mm-hmm. Either for Christianity, for religion, or for reason. Nobody comes away winning here. Crazy Kierkegaard. And it's romantic Christianity. Kierkegaard's dad was uh, a heavy hitter in, in Danish society and... Uh, the king of Denmark, among other people, among other VIPs, occasionally came to dinner at the Kierkegaard household. And little Soren was set up, because of course the children weren't around, little Soren was set up among the adults. And then afterward, his father would ask him to explain and repeat what everybody said at the table. Even better. He sent him to school, the best school in Copenhagen, and said, look, I know you're smart. But I want you to be more than smart. So I want you to come in, not first in Latin. I want you to come in third. Because in order to do that, you'll have to figure out how everybody's mind works and how good they are. And then figure out how to get exactly between the third and the fourth smartest guy in your class. Hmm. That's good. You also used to take him on the grand tour of Europe. And it was easier because it was imaginary. So he and his son would walk around their large, well-appointed house, and he would discuss, uh, for example, uh, 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 the Duomo in Venice, right? And over here we have this, and here we have, in Florence, the Uffizi Gallery, and all the things in it. And so they would spend hours walking around imaginary art galleries and things like that, and great squares, you know, um, the, like the Kremlin Square and all that sort of stuff. Uh, you know, Notre Dame, they got a good look at Gothic cathedrals. And all this was imaginary. Mm. Thinking, mm, that's interesting. That sounds like what you used to do with me. Well, yeah, yeah. <laughs> not just not it's, not. it's not like you're above this. Well, it's not quite, quite it's, as, as. It's not to that extent, but. but yeah. Like, the, the Dream Idea store was wonderful. Yeah, you can see something there. There you go. Uh, 
so there's lots of funny Kierkegaard stories. He's a complete whack job. Um, he has just about every psychological red flag you could imagine. Yeah. So since he doesn't actually have an occupation, he's just alone with his thoughts 24-7. He's a writer, yeah. 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 Or he's a thinker. Or one of his epigrams. It's always one of my favorites. A clown came out at a theater before the show opened and announced to the audience that there was a fire and that they were in great danger. They laughed and applauded and the harder he told them that, the more they laughed. Yeah, and then they all burned to death? Yeah. Great. Well, they just left it there. And the harder he told them that, the more they laughed. Mm-hmm. In other words, this is what Kierkegaard has to say. The culture of the West has lost Jesus. And if you want to get him back, you have to give up on rationality. So what does that have to do with the clown? He's a joker. What? Uh, Kierkegaard is a joker. Okay. He's a serious joker. I mean, hilarious bookbinder as a name. Like Tusker McCusker? Yeah, yeah. But hilarious bookbinder is even better, particularly because of something called the concept of dread. Right? You're thinking, yeah, yeah that's, that's good stuff. That's hilarious. Right, yeah, <laughs> right. First thing that came to my mind was, wow, what a sense of humor. This guy's about as funny as the Nuremberg trials, right? <laughs> and, again, he's the most unbelievably perverse individual. He wanted, on his headstone, his grave, he wanted, under his name, his epitaph was to be that individual. Again, that also sounds like something you would do. I wouldn't do a thing like that. Right that's, under, I don't owe a Sleepiest Jack? Yeah, right, that I would leave. Yeah, yeah, that's different. Come on, I don't owe a Sleepiest Jack. I did all this shit and sucked. <laughs> <laughs> I took his medicine, I got scoped and scanned and x-rayed, I got radiated, I got every fucking thing. I don't owe a Sleepiest Jack. I'm held together with goddamn duct tape, and now you want me to say, hey, thanks, Asclepius, this has been a fucking ball. <laughs> Ten years of this shite. I don't know, Asclepius, dick. Asclepius is lucky I paid my bill at all. Fuck him. Will that do? Yeah, I thought so. Yeah, there's going to be a lot to fit on the gravestone. No, I'm just... Oh, I don't know, Asclepius, Jack. Mm-hmm. That's all we need.